Nutrient density and toxins are something that came up very early on in our cancer journey. And uh, what does that mean? And where did these nutrients even come from? Well, the regenerative farming practices actually boost it. And Bob Jones Jr. is going to lay that out in the second half of our talk. Welcome to the Sowing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a Blue Zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. I want to I want to shift gears and get into the the nutrition. So early in the the interview that I listened to with you, uh, you talked about uh, nature winners and the uh, oncology aspect of of food. And so when my son was diagnosed, I, you know the conventional wisdom said there's nothing that we could do. It, it doesn't matter what we eat. There's chemo. There's radiation surgery. Outside of that, it, you know it's it's just kind of a, a crapshoot. So we did as we didn't accept that and just continued to dive in and try to understand and have it backed by something real, not just random thoughts or, or you know, what's going on. It's led me to realize that the vast majority of diseases that we deal with, these chronic diseases, are metabolic in nature. And what what messes up metabolism? Well, it's it's going to be a combination of toxicities and deficiencies. When, when I understood that, that's when I really, really honed in on agriculture and having the farmer's market and being very much ingrained in ag, seeing where things were a huge, you know, detriment to health or a massive benefit. So what, what I got so excited with when you started talking is y'all have a lab to understand these nutrients. You have a lab to verify that the way that you're doing is improving the food, improving the bioavailable the availability of those nutrients. So why did you go that route? How, how has culinary medicine been an influence on you and Chef's Garden? Well, let me, I would be remiss if I didn't say, God bless you for not taking no as the answer. I mean, it was your child and you fought and scratched and kicked as hard as you possibly could and your wife as well to not accept the first answer that you were given. So congratulations for that. Um, you're a bit of a rebel and that's exactly what we need in medicine and in agriculture. So it, it has been an interesting plot twist over the years. As the chefs asked us for more and more unique diversity of plant life and flavor, color, aesthetics, we began researching on farm to try and figure out how do we do that? And what we came upon many, many years ago was we needed to create as healthy of a soil environment as we possibly could through multi-species cover crops, 
building soil health. Then we also needed to do some genetic selection, not genetic modification, but genetic selection on varietals. So varieties of lettuce, varieties of tomatoes, varieties of pepper, varieties of potatoes that had great culinary appeal. You put good genetics in healthy soils and you let those genetics express themselves. We had chefs telling us that our food looked better and tasted better than what they could get through their normal purveying chains. It felt very good. It was wonderful to get that positive feedback. We needed to correlate and understand what was the causation, what was causing that so we could do more of those things that accentuated flavor and less of the things that took away from flavor. And that again was part genetic, but part soil health. What we didn't know that entire time was that as our, our work, our research and our efforts were all about flavor, we didn't know that we were dragging nutrition along, kicking and screaming. When you have color and you have flavor, you have nutrition. The, the phyto compounds, the phytonutrients, the flavonoids that build flavor are the exact same compounds that were, is where our nutrition comes from. So we were bringing one along. It was very unintended consequence. We just didn't understand it until we started digging in. We are not doctors. We are not physicians. We are not healthcare professionals by any stretch of the imagination. We know carrots and lettuce and not all there is to know about carrots and lettuce, but we're trying. We met folks like Dr. Winters. We, we met other healthcare professionals. We're now working with an oncologist, Nisha Winters. We're working with a microbiologist on gut health and we're working with a cardiologist. They're all, all of their requirements and requests are very, very similar. How about that? The way God designed this system was perfect. We've just been moving further and further and further away from it, and we're trying to get back close to it. I don't know that we'll ever be able to get back to the Garden of Eden, but that's our target because everything was perfect there. And we need to get back as close we can to a natural way of growing because everything in nature is by perfect design. We just have gone away from that. We've introduced synthetic chemistry. We've done a lot of things with petroleum-based fertilizers that are unnatural. Those came about as the result of the war effort in World War I and World War II. Some of the things, most of what we do in conventional agriculture did not have its start in agriculture, even glyphosate. Glyphosate's original purpose was to chelate iron in plumbing pipes and boilers. That was its original uh, reason for being invented. And we realized in modern science that if you put that on the ground, the weeds didn't grow. Or you put it on the weeds, it chelated the micronutrients in the weeds and they died. We didn't understand everything else that was going on at the same time, as you already know. Flavor and nutrition. So we built the lab on the farm to try and understand how to correlate growing practices to food quality. One of the things that we get questioned a lot about is, are you a certified organic farm? We are not. We are not certified organic. 
Much of our growing practices could be certified. We have chosen not to because not everything that we do could be. That's why we chose to certify regenerative. We are now a regenified, certified, regeneratively managed farm. We gained that certification in the fall of 23, and we learned a great deal going through that process about some of the practices that we were employing that we thought were really good ends up they're not so good. Uh, let me give you an example. We decided 10 years ago that we wanted to grow all of our vegetables without the use of herbicides. What could be possibly wrong with that? And we got really good at it. We could grow carrots and lettuce and greens and spinach very cleanly without using any herbicides. We did a lot of mechanical cultivation. We used a practice called stale seed bed, where we would prep the seed bed. We would let the weeds germinate, but not emerge. We would cultivate it very shallow and, and expose white root hairs to the sun and the wind. And they, in about an hour, they would die. You wait two weeks and let another flush of weeds germinate. You would till it very, very shallow with a tine weeder and expose more root hairs, let those die then plant your seeded crop and then cultivate it about four to six times during the, the growth cycle of the crop. One of the things that we now know is a huge tenet of regenerative agriculture is reducing soil disruption. In other words, tillage. We were tilling the soil to death. We killed all the weeds, but we killed all the soil fungi as well. So now we're doing, we're, we're experimenting and expanding very rapidly no-till and strip-till in, in the vegetables um, so that we can reduce the amount of soil disruption or disturbance and allow that soil biology to grow. The growing soil biology community, the microbiome of the rhizosphere of the roots releases legacy minerals that are in the soil and you don't have to add additional supplemental uh, fertility. So it's going back to nature and growing in a natural way. Some of the best soil health scores we got were in the pasture and the river bottom ground that we hadn't farmed in 20 years. I'm like, oh my gosh, this, the land where we till and grow the vegetables on scored very low. The stuff that we hadn't been farming scored very high. Aha, hmm, there must be something to this. So now we're going to grow vegetables in land that we disturb minimally just enough to get the crop to grow. I have not been able to find anybody that on a wholesale scale is doing no-till carrots or lettuce. You can do no-till sweet corn. You can do no-till squash and pumpkins, but I have not found large seeded vegetables. There's plenty of examples of that. Small seeded vegetables, I haven't. That's why we're going to go to the strip-till model on there. It's about accentuating natural processes to grow the most nutritious, flavorful product that you possibly can. And oh, by the way, it's really good for you because you've brought along all these phytonutrients along the way. Um, that led us to trademark the term pharmacy at the chef's garden with an F. And so we now have on our online site, we have a build your box. We have prescribed boxes, best of the season, leafy greens box, but we now have boxes that are designed specifically for a cancer patient, for a diabetic patient, for a coronary patient. Most of what the white papers we're reading say is that modern um, health 
issues are generally get their root cause from a mineral deficiency. So what minerals are you deficient that causes you to have kidney issues? So then we want, we then researched what vegetables are the highest in those minerals. And so then the box for a kidney patient is included, included in that box are, are vegetables that are high in the minerals that you're deficient in. We're not practicing medicine. We're not prescribing anything. We're reading white papers and saying, oh, if you have an iron deficiency, you should really try our beets. Nasha was wonderful with us and helped us understand about glucosinolates and sulfur compounds and cruciferous vegetables and what that does to cancer. Um, she taught us about sulforaphane. Sulforaphane comes from a combination of broccoli and radish. Glucoraphanin, myronase, when chewed and swallowed, the body takes the compounds and the broccoli and the radish, combines them, and you form sulforaphane, which is a natural chemoprotectant. So we're now shipping micro broccoli and micro radish to cancer patients. Love it. So it's, it's really about learning, reading, developing those relationships with other like-minded people that understand medicine far better than I do. I'm just a farmer. I just want to grow and sell vegetables. Our mission is to grow exceptional vegetables, to care for each other in the land, and to promote a vegetable forward future. That's really all we want to do is help people. Our vehicle to help people happens to be vegetables. I think, I think we just got to kind of embrace whatever that vehicle. You may be just a farmer, but you are a wonderful businessman and you have a passion for helping people. And it, it just kind of comes together through, through the avenue. In my opinion, if we have to go with either organic or regenerified, there's not even a question. It's regenerified all the day, all the way. I, I absolutely love Gabe uh, and Alan and the, the whole group behind the understanding act and the regenerified, but they they practice they preach uh for sure the animal impact so have you incorporated uh that before we get into there what i love about regenified is they have a way of going to wherever the farmer is and helping them on on a on a scale it's not uh the strict guidelines that they they just kind of cut people out they're like hey this is how we do better and there's levels and we work towards it so i just appreciate like, you know, like a football coach going to coach the players, not, not forcing the players into a system. And it's just, it's beautiful. So what, what are you incorporating on the animal impact side or are, are you? I would say that the regenified auditing process is unbelievably robust. So it is very, it is a very strict set of guidelines. Their magic and the secret sauce of Regenified is, as you indicate, meet farmers where they are. They have a tiered structure, one through five. And if you are making any efforts whatsoever, they're going to get a baseline measurement and you might go in at tier one, but then they give you three years to move to tier two and three years to move to tier three. You have to be progressing over time. That's really the magic of that system. And they were very patient with us and taught us animal inclusion is one of the tenets of the regenerative agriculture model that they have. 
on the restaurant side of our production, we do not include any animal byproducts of any kind. We have several large customers that require annual affidavits that say we do not include any animal byproducts in the in the process because they're so worried about a food safety concern. We have a very robust food safety audit. Uh, we're audited about six times a year from Ohio Department of Ag, U.S. Department of Ag, FDA, USDA, and third-party audits to follow our food safety protocols in the production, the harvest, the processing, and the shipping of the produce. That's all audit scored by third-party auditing. And animal exclusion is very important to them. When you talk to the regenerative ag people, animal inclusion is very important to them. So we have two different parts of our farming operation where the produce is grown for restaurants and many of the home delivery is on the food safety certified side. We also have um, a permaculture operation, a 60 acre farm that my son and his wife are now starting. To, they've come back to the farming operation and they planted 20 acres of pasture two years ago. They've now transplanted a thousand apple trees in the pasture and they're rotationally grazing beef, pork, turkey, ducks, and chickens through that pasture, harvesting the first fruits to go into the retail roadside stand and turning the seconds into bacon. Love it. So it's Love really it. two different types of that operation. The yeah. equipment that's used on that side is not used on the other side and vice versa so that you don't have any kind of um, cross-contamination. Um, but it's just two different markets, right? Our retail and our home delivery customers want flavor and nutrition. It has to be done safely, certainly. One of the things that, um, unfortunately, we felt like is a, a downfall of, of the National Organic Program, the NOP, is there's nothing in there that talks about food quality. It's based on the principle of exclusion. Here are ingredients that you can use. Here are ingredients that you cannot use. But it doesn't talk at all about the cleanliness of the food or the nutritional density of the food. And those are the things that consumers are telling us are most important to them. Yeah. Chefs said flavor, aesthetics, flavor, shelf life, flavor. Consumers say we want food that looks good, tastes good, is good for me, and is clean. So they're similar but a little bit different. And so that's what we're going about is meeting and exceeding those expectations. We do pesticide residue screens on our produce because we want to know what our production methodology is finding. Yeah. And every time we do that, we get no detect. So it's about having a healthy rhizosphere and soil biology going on in the soil and then confirming that both in our lab and outside labs for confirmation uh, we, we take about 10% of our samples and we send them to an outside lab to calibrate what we're doing internal just for, um, you know, it's got to pass a red face test. So if you're only doing your own testing and you're never validating that, it probably isn't, you know. So we wanted for our own benefit. And I think our consumers have come to appreciate that. We're pretty serious about our craft. We're continue, we, we have not arrived uh, we're still learning every single day and we want to get better and better and better at that. And as we figure these things out, absolutely, we want to teach other farmers about what we're learning. Most farmers, um, 
if they're profitable, they're not very interested in changing. Unfortunately, when they are finally realizing that they need to change, it might be too late. Um, but if you watch Common Ground and you watch Kiss the Ground, you will understand that we can no longer maintain the status quo. We have to do this differently um, for our grandchildren. The best, the best uh, definition of regenerative agriculture that I ever got, which really resonated with me, when you understand that you did not inherit your land from your grandparents, but rather you're borrowing it from your grandchildren. That makes you understand. And when you become a grandparent, my wife and I were blessed to become grandparents in April of 23. It changed our world. And we have a totally different perspective now. And under, I understand that statement much better than I did before. Um, no, we're... We love what we do. We, we feel very blessed that we're able to do what we love. Um, and we want to um, we want to work with people who understand that and appreciate that. And um, we're just very lucky to do what we do. Bob, I think that y'all are an absolute uh, perfect example of what we can do what what can be done across the country across the world and it's it's a continuum like we're we're constantly learning and applying new things and and I just y'all didn't have to go the regenerified route to try to how can we do these things better or what can we learn to apply I mean y'all didn't have to do that and so that you know I think that's just a testament to the character and the ethos of what chef's garden does and I love the permaculture addition. It just, to me, sounds like just creating a more resilient business, a more resilient food system by incorporating other other means. So just uh, thank you. Um, I, I cannot wait to share what y'all are doing with, with everybody uh, because it matters. It, it matters a lot. As you know, a parent or somebody that I've always got cancer on the back of my mind with, with my kids, but you know, side effects of chemo, of radiation, there's all these things, you know, the fact that he just had cancer before, what we can do is pretty substantial. And by supporting farmers and businesses like what you're doing, what we're trying to do with, with the retail markets, uh, you know, understanding ag, getting them more, uh, you know, participants all of that matters and is coming together so just uh just thank you again and what what can we do to to help you how can we best send people to learn more about chef's garden about what you and lee are doing um just how how can we help well first of all thank you your your very kind words um we're not really that smart logan but we learn from our mistakes we just have to make mistakes at a faster rate than our competition. And so you learn constantly all the time. Uh, we're very blessed to do what, to get to do what we love to do. We think um, quite honestly that your local farmer should be a part of your healthcare team. You should have a primary care physician. You should have a nutritionist and you should have a local farmer that you work with. Now, regenerative, certainly, um, and that's where Regenified comes in. Um, they're, they're helping to set the bar and they're helping to teach farmers and they're, they're giving the regenerative space some validity 
because it is third party audited and it looks at quality of outputs. Um, where not all standards and measurements do that. What's really important is the quality of the end result. Certainly, people are welcome to look at our site and, and we'd love to work with you. Find your local farm that's growing in this way. Go to the regenerative or the regenified site and find other farms that are growing ingredients that you want and vote with your dollar. The best thing that consumers can do today is find regenerative farms and support them financially. This is not the cheapest way to farm. It certainly is not. The rotational requirements and having land out of production for several years during that rotation, the rent on those acres that are not producing income is just as high as those that are. So if you support this, if you believe that regenerative agriculture is really the path forward for, for us as a society, then support it. Find the way to support that. And the best advice that I can possibly give you is find a regenerative farmer and support them as much as you possibly can. If you have a local farm that's in season, absolutely, please buy there first. We happen to partner with people that are smarter than us in UPS and FedEx. We carpool with FedEx every day, and that's how we can ship product across all 50 states. We don't do that well, but we work with people that do it pretty well. How do we do that? That plane's going to leave Cleveland every day, whether it's got my produce on it or not. So, yeah, there's the best case scenario is to buy it in your community and support your local community. If you're in a season where product is not available, visit the site. We farm 12 months of the year because we sell to restaurants and the product is there. This is not about selling produce. This is about helping people. And whether it's the consumer or other farmers that want to learn how to do this, uh, understanding ag is a great avenue to do that. There are lots of ways that you can. Th th there's so much more information available today via the Internet and YouTube uh, to, to, to do almost anything that you want to do um, and learn, learn, learn. We're, we're avid readers. We're, we're huge proponents of education um, and we're constantly learning all the time. We don't, we're just so excited to continue to learn and, and to be able to experience our faith every day by working with what was created. I love that, my friend. Um, as we end, I've got one more question for you. What what does prosperity mean to you? How would you, in your words, describe prosperity? I think that it would be reversing the feeling that we all have about where our world is headed today. Because if you if you think too hard about it, you know, with everything that's going on in our world, with the healthcare system that we have, uh, with the wars that are being fought, with the whole idea that if I don't agree with you, I hate you mentality, um, that is probably the opposite of prosperity. Understanding and figuring out how we can learn together. I have much to learn from people that I don't necessarily agree with. 
if I just open my mind and understand and care for people and lead with the heart, um, I think that prosperity is certainly possible. It's, it's understanding natural processes and us getting out of the way. It's, it's, it's not about me. And I think if we understand that it's when it's not about us, um, we can get back towards prosperity. Um, it's very possible. It's very doable when we realize it's not about us. It's beautiful.